We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of our Irish Breakdown podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher. We are going to be going to uh, the live commitment of Christian Gray right now, who's choosing Notre Dame uh, or LSU or Ohio State or um, USC. So let's go there now. About it, and um, it was it was very stressful, but uh, I got through it, and it was just it was just slight work because I just I had God on my side, and He gave me all the things that I needed. I love talking to kids about uh, some of your campus visits because I know they can be a lot of fun getting to see a lot of behind the scenes looks, maybe getting to talk to some coaches that you were only able to watch on TV for a long time. What were some of your top visits? Uh, my top visits, it would be Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio State, and USC. Uh, um, it was they was pretty great visits. I, I got to see who the, who the real teams are and just I got to see the real places, so yeah. When you're going to these visits and you're talking to these coaches and different things like that, what were you looking for in your next school? First, I was looking for how is they faith with God and um, the academics and how is they how are they with the team, like family atmosphere and the love there. You can tell that you're very family oriented. Obviously, a lot of this, like you said, has to do with your relationship with God. So what do you want people to know about you as a player, though, on the field? As a player on the field, I let my talent speak for itself. And uh, I just don't I just don't talk at all. If they trash talk to me, I just don't reply back. I just I just play. And, um, and I, I'm just a I'm just. I just keep God first. So <laughs> I, I think mom and sister, is he this nice all the time? Is he is this good of a kid every single day? He is a good kid. <laughs> He's a good kid all the time. Yeah. All the time. All right, Christian, hang on just a second. We're going to talk a lot more football coming up. Uh, next time we talk to you, we are going to get your decision here. As I mentioned, Christian had a time. And we go to our commercial break here with CBS Sports, and we are going to talk a little bit about kind of where this recruitment is Kind of going into his decision, you see the four hats on the table for Christian Gray. These are the four schools he's announced for a while, or his four finalists. 
and you look at Notre Dame, uh, you look at oh, LSU, Ohio State, and USC, really this, this has been kind of a deal where it's been more about – uh, for some time, this has really been more of a Notre Dame LSU battle most recently, but there was a time where it was even more so Notre Dame trailing US or excuse me, Ohio State and LSU. So um, this has been an interesting recruitment. We'll kind of dive into more of it once he makes his decision, but really Notre Dame LSU are, are perceived as the top, top two schools heading into this decision. Uh, you know, and, and as, as he said, I mean, you listen to him, the different things he's looking for. This is a very smart, intelligent young man. Uh, he's kind of been looking for some different things, but also the football part's important. And Christian is a kid that I think football-wise really absolutely uh, was a must-get and was a huge need for Notre Dame. And cornerback obviously coming into this class is a big need for Notre Dame. They needed to land more impact than they did numbers, but um, – this is one of those kids who could be that. Obviously, they're gonna. We'll see what his ultimate decision is. He's been a kid that's been on the board for Notre Dame for quite some time. He earned his offer in June of 2021 at a very good camp performance for Notre Dame last summer. He's been on campus seven times since last year. Uh, his two most frequent visitors are are uh, Notre Dame. He's been seven times according to On Three, and then he's been to Ohio State five times. So clearly, those schools have been high on his board for for quite some time. Uh, and, and of course, LSU got on late. See, LSU's recruitment's been interesting because they weren't really a, a, a huge player for him early. He liked LSU, but it was really Notre Dame and then Ohio State was there. And then Brian Kelly hired Robert Steeples, who is the cornerbacks uh, coach for now for LSU, who was the former head football coach at DeSmet Jesuit, which is where Christian Gray uh, is from. And once that move was made, LSU became a major player in Christian Gray's uh, recruitment. Obviously, there's a very strong connection there. He had been gone for a couple of seasons. He was with, I believe, the Minnesota Vikings most recently uh, when he left the Smet. And then obviously, Brian Kelly hired him at LSU. And, and Coach Peoples is someone who, who we got a chance to meet uh, at Irish Breakdown a couple of years ago. He was one of the finalists for the quarterback's job when, um, when, when Todd Light stopped coaching and Mike Mickens was ultimately the guy that was hired for that job. But Robert Steeples was one of the finalists for that job and was someone who interviewed for that job and, and um, really passionate guy, very strong coach, uh, you know, brings a great track record. And obviously when it comes to Christian Gray, someone who Christian Gray and his family know, uh, respect, respect and trust. So that was a really important one for Notre Dame or for, for LSU, for Brian Kelly to have a shot at this recruitment was to make that kind of hire. Now that's not why he hired Robert Steeples. It just was one of the benefits of it was allowing LSU to kind of get into the mix and be a player for him. So LSU really became the strong contender. And there was a time when people were putting crystal balls in and making predictions for LSU, thinking that they were going to be the team to beat Notre Dame for a time had actually fallen behind LSU and Ohio state in his recruitment. And then they've been able to charge back and they're, they're now right there with those other programs as he gets ready to make his decision. And as I said, we'll give some backstory. looks like they're coming back from commercial now. So uh, as soon as he starts talking, we will go to live to that. And, and Christian will be allowed to make his, make his decision and make his announcement again, between Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio state and USC or Southern Cal. So uh, we will go to we will go to that here very very shortly. 
they're kind of showing some highlights. They are back from commercial, but um, they are going to be going him to him very, very soon uh, for this decision. So here we go. looks like they are back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. At their church. All right, Christian, the floor is yours. Let's hear your decision. All right. First, I want want to say thank you to God for everything. Uh, I'll glory to him. I'll always keep him first. And second, I want to say thank you to my family and for everyone else who has contributed in my life. And uh, I want to say third of all, just thank you to all the coaches who recruited me and everything. It was just a blessing. So, and now I'll, I'll be taking my talents for the next four years to the University of Notre Dame. And you can hear all the support for one Christian Gray there, everybody behind him. Congratulations on your decision. Look, he's already stretching them down. He's going to take charge now. <laughs> uh, why did you pick the Fighting Irish over everyone else? Um, well, I, I talked to God about it, and it, it aligned with my faith. It aligned with everything I have for the future for myself. And I just thought culture staff is great. The environment was great. And, it's, and it just shows me, like, how, like what I can be besides a football player too. So, Marcus Freeman has had a huge impact on that program before the season has even begun. Uh, what was your like? What was your visit like with him? And what did he tell you about what he wants to see in you over the next four years? Um, he said he will help me become a better version of myself, a better person, and I'll have a be a better 
like to the team, everywhere else and my talents and he'll help me out. And then just, he just told me I was going to be great. So. <laughs> <laughs> you are already great. Look, Notre Dame is killing it and recruiting right now, in particular with your class, a bunch of great guys that are headed there in the class of 2023. What is Notre Dame doing right right now? Oh, excuse me. What'd you say? I said, what is Notre Dame doing so well right now where it's putting together such a great recruiting class, including yourself? Man. Hey, hey I don't know. That's God's work right there. <laughs> hey, they they doing great things, though. They doing, they're doing a lot of great things. So. All right. Tell Irish fans who are watching this right now celebrating what they can expect from you as a player when you get there. Hey man, I'm gonna show all my love to y'all. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be great. I'm gonna just give it out and just go, go hard in every game, go hard in the weight room every day. So that's what y'all was gonna expect from me. Like that's, I'm gonna be that great kid. So yeah. Chris Chain, congratulations. Enjoy the rest of the day there. I know you said this was a very special day with your grandfather. Uh, so I hope everybody in your family gets to celebrate today and have has a great rest of Fourth of July. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. There it is. IB Nation, Christian Gray has committed to Notre Dame. Uh, just, a, a, Sean, I think people kind of got a glimpse of what you've been talking about. Sean Davis, IB Nation, uh, Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst joining us. You've been kind of all over this one, Sean, from early on when Notre Dame was the leader to when they fell behind, all those other type of things. We'll get into that here in a second. But Notre Dame fans just kind of got their first real glimpse of Christian Gray as a young man. And, and you, you, I was told by, by a, a source very early on when Notre Dame was, was trailing, they said, uh, I said, so who's the biggest contender? And they're like, so-and-so, and so, but, but he's going to end up with us. And I said, well, why is that? And they're like, he's a Notre Dame kid. He just doesn't know it yet. And you kind of hear it there, Sean. This yeah. is the kid that fits in so incredibly well with Notre Dame. And fans just got a chance to see what kind of young man he is beyond the football field. This is a really unique young man. And that's why today is such a special day. You heard the mention of his, his grandfather and um, situation with his mom and his family and the makeup and how they've gotten to this point. While certain mentors have been so important in his life and you, you listen to him and you listen to his story and he gives you his testimony and you find out that at the heart of a recruiting battle, it really came down to, if I can put it simply, whatever he got up off his knees with and mm -hmm. heard from God. Right. Like when a kid tells you that, you honestly, honestly believe it. And the fans might not like the fact that, you know, a kid deciding between LSU, USC, Ohio State coming down to a prayer. Because you don't know. You can't control what's going to be said or what that individual might hear. But ultimately, I think, as you said, your source, what they said, what my conversations and how I felt, things were going to go lined up with that. And, you know, I guess the prayer was just mm -hmm. confirmation or affirmation right. you know, to what, you know, we felt and what that source of yours felt. Just knowing the young man, knowing the family. And it's a fantastic day. This, this weekend, you know who I feel the most? better for because i feel like they've unfairly yes. say it taken a lot say it from the fan base this is a huge weekend and 
uh, a big shout out to the work, the hard work of Mike Mickens over the last two years. That's finally getting the recognition yep. that it deserves. Flat out. He has put in the work. He's putting even greater work in that we're going to end up seeing the fruit right. of in the 24 class. And a lot of fans say Mike Mickens needs to do this. He needs to do a better job. Well, here you go. Here is Micah Bell and Christian Gray in a span of two days. Like, what else can you want from the? What else do you want from your defensive back coach in Notre Dame? So kudos to this entire staff. You know, Brian, we knew this avalanche was coming. Sure. Over this well, weekend. Let, let's dive into the backstory of this, Sean, because it's really fascinating. Sean yeah. texted me this morning and we were we were chatting, and he goes, What was it? What was the most impressive recruitment that Notre Dame has had so far? Mm -hmm. And my answer surprised him because I said Christian Gray. And the reason I said that is, is because Christian actually committed. So uh, if you're on the message board, yeah. you are familiar with the little dancing gift that we have, right? So whenever we get good news, you know, you're going to see me with a little Tupac and Carlton dance. Somebody asked me why I have those two. And I said, because Tupac is what I think I look like when I dance. Carlton is actually what I look like when I dance. So uh, those are why I put those two together. And essentially what they mean is, hey, we, 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 we're expecting some good news. Christian is actually the one that got it started. He was the first one. So three of the six are now public. So uh, he actually committed to Notre Dame uh, the weekend of his official visit. So uh, that, that he was obviously he had some other visits that he had scheduled. He ended up going to Ohio State, but uh, he did give Notre Dame a silent commitment that weekend. He was the first kid on the board. So we've known that this was going to happen for the last couple of weeks. However, really almost almost a month now. However, Sean, it wasn't easy to get to that point. Right. So we've known since that weekend that this is and then he actually committed on Friday. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, <laughs> it was trending that way already and it put it over the edge. So this is an interesting one, Sean, because when you and I first got on Christian, Notre Dame was considered the clear leader. Yeah. He almost committed to Notre Dame back after his January visit, but right. he decided he wanted to wait, let things play out. In the time since then, Notre you at LSU went out and hired him, and I talked about this early at the beginning of the show, Sean, they hired Robert Steeples. And then uh, at LSU. That was huge for this young man who, as you can tell, when you listen to him, values relationships. He values people that he can trust. And then Ohio State got really involved, obviously, with their staff. Their new staff was able to get some momentum going with this young man. And, and Notre Dame kind of fell behind. And it was almost like they were not punished, but it, they were they fell behind partly because they had been there. And then yeah. there was this new excitement on these other two programs, right? Yeah. So the new Ohio state staff really got on Christian. There was that excitement there where Notre Dame had been on him for a long time. Mike Mickens has been on him for a long time, but the, the reason that I felt like this was such a big recruitment and arguably the most impressive one is because there was no panic. There was no panic from Notre Dame. There was a time when it was, it was looking like he was about to commit to LSU Right. Mm -hmm. He was on the verge of committing to LSU is kind of what our sources were telling. And you reach out to our sources and there, there was no panic at Notre Dame. None. It was like, look, stay the course, because they knew what I said earlier, which is yeah. he's a Notre Dame kid. He just doesn't realize it yet. And he'll eventually realize it. And fortunately, Notre Dame was able to figure that out. But it's because of that relationship. And there was a comment in the commit story that we just published on that that Christian gave you. Uh, when you talk to him before this decision, and this is what he said, he said, Coach Mickens is my dude. He said his message to me was always bigger than football, and that was important to me and my family. Yeah. Coach Mickens stayed, he just stayed level 
on this. No panic. No try to, oh, shoot, we're falling behind. Let's throw some stuff out there. Let's negatively recruit LSU. Let's negatively yeah. – it was just stay the course. And and it and it worked out because he was able to kind of weather the excitement of LSU and the excitement of Ohio State and to a degree USC, but they were never really – they were always kind of fourth. You know, they were always kind of on, on the, the fourth on that list, Sean. But in the end, he was able to get it done, and it shows what having a plan – Sticking to that plan, but also why it's so important to build relationships, not just throw a bunch of recruiting, you know, mantras and gimmicks and different things. He stayed true to the plan, which for Christian Gray was establish a connection, show him what you can do for him as a young man, because that's going to be very important for Christian beyond all the excitement of the football aspect. And that's ultimately why Notre Dame and LSU were the final two schools. Because those were the two schools where he had the best relationship because of Coach Steeples and because of Coach Mickens. And it says a lot about Notre Dame's whole operation, and especially Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens, that they were able to beat out a guy who had known Christian for years and had coached him and had the family's trust in that regards. I think that is why, for me, Sean, this is the most impressive pickup for Notre Dame in regards to the work they had to put in to get here. I think Sean is frozen. So – that is uh, that is where the this commitment went. So we'll get Sean. Either he he hasn't he's learned not to blink, or Sean is frozen at the current time. Uh, so we'll get him in here uh, when it's all when we'll get him fixed here at some point in time here very soon. But I think that's kind of as we as we d- dive into the backstory. To me, that is why this was such a big commitment for Notre Dame is because they had to put in a lot of work in order to get here in order to get Christian Gray in the class, and so. Um, you know, to me, this is this is why this staff is so impressive. And and you know, I asked Sean earlier as well. I said, hey, you know, do you think this happens if the previous group was in charge? And and the answer was no, because it really required Mike Mickens did a ton of work to make this happen. But it was also a lot about the whole staff, the whole staff putting in work. You know, the whole staff building that relationship. But at the end of the day. You know, Mike Mickens to me played a huge, huge role in making this happen. So, um, you know, this is this was a big, big pickup for Notre Dame uh, in in regards to getting him. So let's talk about sort of the impact that this has on on Notre Dame's class. So what, what we kind of do is we, you know, we'll talk the backstory which we just shared. We'll do a class impact next. You know, what does this mean for Notre Dame's class? Uh, and then we'll talk about we'll go watch some film. Uh, we'll do a film breakdown of Christian Gray, and we'll kind of dive into some of the things that 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 you, that make him such a a highly ranked player, and and are lead to why this is such an important pickup for Notre Dame. And so we'll get into that as well. And then of course we'll talk about uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's next. But honestly, I mean Notre Dame is done in the twenty three class as of right now at cornerback. They are, you know, I think they're they're ready to. They're, they're ready to go. I think this is the, the they're one of focus. There was some talk of taking a third corner, but I think at this point in time, Notre Dame likes the two that they have. Obviously, they got Micah Bell on Friday, but you get Christian Gray to go after that. I think Notre Dame's very comfortable, and I think they'd like to use that extra scholarship in another position is where they are. So let's, let's talk about the impact of this class. And I think Sean brought it up earlier, and we'll get him back in here uh, in a few once he gets some things figured out uh, technically, but – you know the 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 thing that we've been puzzled by as we've as we've discussed things, and this has been a, a thought, a, a sort of a discussion on our message board is, I've been a little puzzled at some of the criticism that Mike Mickens has taken as a recruiter the last couple of years. 
when you look at his first class with Ryan Barnes and Philip Riley, Chance Tucker, JoJo Johnson, especially the first three who were there, and then you look at last year, he did that all while not being able to get on the road and recruit. Remember, that was put together during the COVID year. He got hired in, I believe, like February, uh, and, and a month later, recruiting is over. And they can't travel. They can't go anywhere. They can't, you know, bring kids on campus. The whole thing got shut down because of COVID. And he was still able to go out and beat Clemson for a Ryan Barnes, who had offers from Florida, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, I think LSU. Beat him for Philip Riley, who was originally committed to USC or to Notre, Notre Dame, flipped to USC, and they were able to flip him back again by staying the course. And so then you go in last year and he beats Alabama and Washington for Benjamin Morrison. He goes out West and it gets Jaden Mickey, who has been one of the most impressive freshmen on campus so far. Uh, and, and uh, you know, just really solidified the cornerback depth chart. So then you go into 2023 and you look at 2023 and you say, okay, well, what's the needs in the 2023 class? Well, the needs in the 2023 class uh, were all about impact. So because you have three corners on the roster from the tw- – and we talked about this uh, when when we when we broke down Micah Bell on Friday. When you look at the needs in the class, it wasn't a numbers thing. You, you signed three corners in the 2021 class. You signed two last year. All five of those kids enter the 2022 season with four seasons of eligibility remaining. So, you know, it wasn't a numbers thing. The need in this class was impact talent. And Notre Dame is getting impact talent. So for those who who like to look at recruiting rankings, Christian Gray is ranked as the number 51 overall player in the country, according to rivals. And and Micah Bell is ranked as the number 55 player in the country, according to 247 Sports. The last time that Notre Dame signed two corners in the same class that were ranked in the top 100, you have to go all the way back to 2006 with Darren Walls and Rayshon McNeil. That's the last time. I thought it was going to be 2012 uh, in the Kavari Russell and T. Shepard class, but nobody had Kavari Russell ranked in the top 100, which they should have. But all yeah. the way back to 2006 to the last time that Notre Dame was able to get two corners that, that were ranked in the top 100. So think about that win for Notre Dame is to get two like that. So when you talk about the need, Sean, mission accomplished. They needed impact yeah. players that could be dynamic p- potential. Micah Bell certainly brings that. And Christian Gray brings that as well. So it makes this a huge, I mean, just big time home run for Notre Dame when it comes to cornerback recruiting. That is a fantastic, you just took me back. I remember the day we got Darren Walls and I was like, yeah. we finally have that guy. And so let, let me, look, we go back to Christian Gray. He jumps on the scene when he runs the four four one at Ohio State, right? Has the same buzz. The next thing you know, he starts moving up. But like you said, he's really leaning towards Notre Dame. Things happen, change coach. He takes a step back. He's advised by his former high school coach and his mentor, Robert Peoples, not to rush into things. And in doing so, there were other programs that came in and made viable arguments to why they would be the perfect fit for him. That's the way recruiting should go, Brian. That's really mm-hmm. what what we're seeing is that Notre Dame can actually win these type of battles and still allow kids to go through the process right. 
you know, because we've been so used to feeling like, well, Notre Dame really needs to jump on these big time kids and just get them to commit and then hold on. If you're going to become one of the top elite programs, that's not going to be the case for some of these elite guys down the stretch, whether it's going into, you know, the fall season, like an Impemba, like Dante Moore or anybody else that it seems like their recruitment is going to extend a little bit. Getting a, which goes back to what you said and why this recruitment is the most impressive. It was honest. It was transparent. And it was collaborative. Mm -hmm. Mike Mickens put in the work, but you just heard what he said about Marcus Freeman. Mm -hmm. And Marcus Freeman telling him, you're going to be great. Right. Everything that this young man and his family needed to feel and hear, honestly, they got it from the Notre Dame coaching staff and Mike Mickens in particular. So once again, we talked about this this morning. We're realizing and feeling the vibe, and it's nowhere near the peak that we think it could possibly reach in this program. So it's just a great time to be a part of this fan base, and I think the month of July has even more to give to right. Notre Dame football. Sean, you talked about the 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 sort of the angle that Marcus Freeman took with it, and it wasn't. A, it was. I mean, there was some football talk, but it was about you know, the holistic thing is very similar to what we, what we heard from Charles Jagasaw's, what we've heard from other players where, you know, Marcus Freeman as the head coach has embraced a little bit of a different sort of role when it mm -hmm. comes to how he recruits. That's different than what he did as the defensive coordinator at the, as a defensive coordinator, he had to lay out the, the plan for how I'm going to build you a great player first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily have that holistic thing. And so he kind of had to do that th after the fact, right? And so when you talk about the holistic aspect of, of this recruitment, right? When you talk about the fact that it was an it was a team, it was teamwork. It was it was not just Mike Mickens, it was not just Marcus Freeman, it was it was Chad Bowden, it was a lot of the different coaches, it was Chris O'Leary. They all played a role at different points and times, but they all played their role, and that's the key. Where you know Coach Coach Mickens was able to build some trust, but then also the football's part, and they were able to lay out kind of how they see it. And then Coach Freeman kind of comes in and says, "Hey, look, this is what we're going to do for you as a young man." And I think that is something that's been very effective that we're hearing a lot of. That Coach Freeman's message, first and foremost, goes way beyond the football field, and and because he is someone who who I believe in and have, find to be trustworthy, young people, parents find him to be trustworthy. I think that message really hits home, and that's kind of been the strategy for Notre Dame. Strategy, it's strategy, but it's also true, is kind of him. That's been the role he's taken is sort of that let me be the head coach. And I'll, I got to say, we'll, we'll, we can talk about this. This is probably maybe a good Saturday show is, is you, you know, the fact that, that he has been someone who's been able to kind of take his, uh, say, maybe give a little bit more responsibility to other people than I thought he was going to give early on. And it's paid off so far, and you're able to make this uh, get this pickup with Christian Gray and Micah Bell. Let's talk, Sean, about some film, right? I mean, that's kind of what we always do, right? So uh, we will we will talk about the impact and all that. So we're going to talk about Christian Gray. We're going to watch some film, uh, and then we're going to talk about how he fits. And we'll do some of that as we're watching film. Uh, but I think you, I, I think the one thing I'll say when I've kind of broken down Christian Gray is. He is someone who who did have to kind of grow on me a little bit, 
He's someone that when I first watched him, I liked him, but you know, he's just so smooth. Sometimes I was wondering, does he really kind of have that speed? And, you know, you see it sometimes here, but, but this is really Sean, the first thing you notice when I popped on the film and, and, and all that stuff, the one thing I did notice right away is this kid is long and he's listed between six foot six, one. Sean, I think you're, you're muted as well. Uh, he's listed between six foot six, one, his high school roster is him at six two. I don't think he's six two, but he look at his arms. He is a long kid, very very long kid. That's the first thing that stood out to me when I watched the film of this young man. Very athletic, has a lot of playing experience, extreme value on kick return and kick mm -hmm. coverage. Now, you talk about not being impressed. The first clip that you played was against the fastest team in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And that's East St. Louis Flyers. And the fact that he outran them, mm -hmm. some of their most athletic guys that end up going to SEC schools, shows you that he has surprising speed. Like, it's, we talk about this all the time, Brian, because we see 100 times, mm -hmm. 200 times, and he's a track guy. Right. On a four by one and four by two relay for his team at this met. Does it translate to the field? And I believe his speed and his times translate to the field. You know, I think he's going to be a fine, fantastic boundary corner. He's going to have the ability to use his length, his size, and his ability. And he's going to cause a lot of havoc for offenses because yeah. you're going to be able to put him out there and say, okay, take care of that side of the field. Yeah. Because he plays with so much confidence when the ball is in the air. And he doesn't give up too much behind him. Right. He doesn't have to throw the ball in front of him, and he loves to come up and tackle. So for me, the tackling part, we'll definitely get to that here in a second because he's got some some hits. For me, I don't question the speed. I know the track speed is there and the kick return speed is there. What I was all often wondered was, is the is the corner speed there? Yeah. And these yeah. these two clips that he's going to show now, and there's some, there's some good game film. If you're someone who likes game film, there's some good game film on TV, on YouTube that you can find. But here's a perfect example. So, like, one of my questions was early on was, you know, can he open up and run? And on this particular play, for example, he he gets kind of beat off the line. He recovers relatively well. But I'm like, this guy's not necessarily a burner, although this is Christian Brothers. And that's a pretty good football player right there. But yeah. you watch this clip. He he gets beat initially. You can see it here. Like, his, his footwork is usually pretty good, but he gets beat here. His transition is a little bit slow. He gets beat off the line, but then he does recover pretty well. But he's so smooth. It doesn't look like he's trying that hard. And then this next play, so I'm thinking, okay, how's his transitions, right? Does he, you know, is he a little tight hip? You know, tall corners tend to be a little tight hip. Then you watch this very next clip, and his technique is right. And look how easily he transitions on this next play. And this is one of those things when I watched the film, I was like, okay, this is the stuff that's that when I say he kind of grew on me. It's stuff like this. Like, look, he's squeezing down, and then bam, he flips his hips, gets outside. Uh, on that wide fade right now, and it's just all over that guy. And then he plants and sinks. And you start seeing more and more stuff like that on film. I think the other unique aspect too, Sean, you talk about him being a boundary guy. To be an effective boundary corner, you got to be able to. You got to be able to play press man, and you got to be able to play off man. Yeah. And and to me, he's one of the few corners that's really good at both. Now, again, my early question was, okay, does he have the speed to be that at the next level? Does it transition well? But as you see him more and more and more and his off-season film at camps and stuff, you start seeing him 
the speed's starting to show more yeah. and more and more. We've seen from him at seven on sevens this last couple uh, last couple months. But the, the he's got the he's got the foot quickness, the balance, the length, and all that to be really good impressed man. He's got patient hands. You know, he's not someone who gets himself kind of stuck in situations where he's lunging. You know, he's got pretty good technique. He's been coached well. Shocker when you consider Robert Steeples was one of his early mentors. Yeah. Uh, things along those lines, who I think is a good coach. But these are the, you see some of this stuff where he's playing off man, and that's where you see the kid really like, okay, this is when if he's playing off man, you see some Julian love to him, yeah. right? His football oh. IQ, his instincts, able to read routes, and, and his ability to see through the receiver to the quarterback is exceptional. This kid gets his hands on a lot of football, Sean. And I think that that combination of being able to play press man with also while also effectively being a guy that can can play off man is a, a big reason why I agree with you. I do think he can play field, but I really like that fit early on as a boundary guy, uh, at least getting a chance to be that boundary guy because of that combination of of ability to press his length, his transition, his ability to press and the fact that he's a really impact off ball off ball cover man as well. And I spoke with his high school coach, and he also pointed out something. He said, just don't limit him to being a field guy. Mm-hmm. He can be a guy. He can be a chess piece for the defensive coordinator because you can allow him to follow. He can do that. And it goes back to what you said. He can play the field. You could possibly see him in a slot. If you choose to say, Christian, take this guy all game. He's your guy, which Notre Dame in the past really hasn't done they pretty much been a field boundary defense, mm-hmm. but it just gives you that flexibility in certain situations to be able to have a kid with the flexibility and the talent that can allow a defensive coordinator to possibly scheme against someone or a particular player for that one week. You know, I think that as you look at this makeup, Sean, as we as we watch the film a little bit, that's an interesting point I kind of want to get to uh, is – being able to kind of get away from field boundary. I'd like yeah. for them to be able to get away from field boundary, especially when you're talking about playing teams like Ohio state and, mm-hmm. and Clemson and some of these teams are going to push the tempo a lot more is that here, here's here. Here's another thing you talk about right there. He's a really skinny kid, like a really skinny kid. And, and Matt Bayless is going to have to become his best friend, but he's <laughs> a very willing tackler. You know, and he's got strength. Like he's got really good natural strength, even though he's a very skinny kid. His hands are pretty strong. You want to see him go a little bit lower there, but I like the fact that this is, this is a decent sized running back. And as soon as he hits him, he stands that guy up. I mean, that guy doesn't run him over at all. They stalemate, and then he rides that guy out of bounds. That he's so even though he's skinny, Sean, he's got some punch, uh, which I really really like. Look at this, and he is so all over the screen, like. Yeah, when you see him in his seven-on-seven, you know, shorts with the tank, you see the shoulders on this kid. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, he's going to have to see Matt Bayless. Matt Bayless is going to go in and see that frame. Oh, yeah. big smile is going to come on his face because he knows, yeah, I can work with this. Right, because he's listed between a 185 and 190, but he's skinny, Mm -hmm. right? And it's kind of like what we've talked about with, like, uh, with Josh Burnham. You know, he's listed at 230, and then you're like, yeah, but he's kind of skinny. That I really like that transition right there. Like, he's got really nice, clean feet. His footwork, tend, he gets a little bit heavy-footed at times. That can be cleaned up pretty quickly. Yeah. But, you know, this is another thing. When a kid's got that kind of length, you're showing press, then you bail. But his football IQ, Sean, is something I really, really like. Here's another good coming downhill. Look at that change of direction, though. 
Watch them plant and drive. That's really nice acceleration really out of that break. Really, good. Yeah. really nice acceleration coming out of that break. So, but hit, that's a that's the other thing that, that you like about that off ball. It's one thing to be smart and in, instinctive, but can you then recognize it and have the speed to drive downhill and, and make plays in the ball? Yeah. And he has that. I mean, look, like we talk about, I love Julian Love as a player, Sean. Love Julian Love. I mean, he was, no pun intended, he was an excellent football player. Look at his physicality. Like I said, he's got strong hands. Very strong hands. Look at that. And a little grabby. Not to work on that. Very strong hands. But the thing about Julian Love, Julian Love was doing what he was doing at, at 5'10 and a half and running a 4'5'5. Five, five, right. right. This is a kid who's six foot plus with longer arms that's been timed as a as a 4'4 guy. You know, so if that starts to show up more consistently in coverage, then this is a kid that has that kind of high level ability to be an impact player in, in what Notre Dame wants to do. And you know, as long as Al Golden's a defensive coordinator, one thing that we've heard is they want to be really multiple with their coverages, even more so than what he was under Coach Freeman, who was a, a, a much more of a, a higher man guy. Right. You know, you so you need some guys that have some of that ability, especially in the boundary. And Christian Gray certainly brings that. There's a lot of similarities between him and Benjamin Morrison. But I also think that that. Christian is also a guy that with that range, with that instincts, with, with the, with the tackling ability can easily be a field guy. Yeah. And, and again, that's important because you're not pigeonholing him into one spot. You can say, Hey, look, let's get our best guys in the field. And he brings some of that versatility to the table. So that, that to me is a big part of this, Sean, is you got to be able to, to land guys. It's no different than receiver or linebacker or anywhere else. You've got to be able to bring some versatility to the table. And and this is a young man that has a lot. I like him pursing the boundary, but if 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 you need a field corner and he's your second best corner or best corner, or maybe yeah. he's your best corner, but your second best corner is more of a boundary type of guy, right? Then he can easily go to field and you're not losing a thing. Ideally, with the way they've recruited the last couple of years with Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison last year, and now Micah Bell and Christian Gray this year, which again, for all the people that have questioned, you know, Mike Mickens recruiting ability name me the last time Notre Dame has had a two-year stretch of cornerback recruiting like that it's been a long time but there's a lot of these guys Sean aren't pigeonholed into one spot and and you are you're starting to see okay they do have potential to maybe eventually get away from this this field boundary stuff but here's another thing that it does Sean too if Christian Gray matches turns out his potential right and he taps into his potential and he's a you know turns into an all-american type of corner like Julian Love Guys that bring versatility to their skill set, that means you can match up better. Meaning, hey, this team's got a really good player, and we'd like to get into a matchup with him, but they move him around so much. Well, with him, you can say, hey, wherever he goes, you go. Right? And you can't do that with a guy who's more of a pure boundary or a pure field guy or a guy that's more of an outside guy. You need that versatility. You need that ability to say, hey, this guy can thrive at all those spots. And although there's some technical work that he'll need to do, the schools, the, the skill set is there, in my opinion, for Christian Gray to be that kind of player. You know, there is a similar symmetry between Christian Gray and a 24 prospect. Mm-hmm. Very much the same corner if you watch their film. When you're watching Christian Gray, you understand why Notre Dame, and you got to see him in person at the Irish mm-hmm. Invasion. You understand why Notre Dame loves Caleb Beasley. Mm-hmm. Same frame. Caleb Beasley is already listed at 200, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Plays boundary the majority of the time, but at the same time, he has film in the slot. 
He has film in certain safety spots, but he is a cornerback that has four four speed. I believe he ran mm-hmm. a four four the Irish Invasion. So, yeah, he ran in the four four range. Ohio State's the one he ran a four four flat and a four four two. This was last summer. Okay, at that. Um, so schematically, yeah. kind of talk about that real quick. I just four. need to say this, Sean. Yeah, He's their slowest corner commit <laughs> by far. He's their third. He's their number three speed wise. He's their number three DB in his class because Peyton Bowens is running the four threes. I just needed to say that to, that's to not, talk that's about how this is. There, man. He, yeah. You put him with a couple of cheetahs. But that's the point. That's yeah. what this staff is doing where a kid running yeah. a 4 4 2 is your slow guy. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, that's what they're that's what they're putting together, and that's the thing to me. I just had to say that 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 is you talk about the class impact. You know, we didn't touch into this. We got into like numbers need and impact need. The one thing that that I felt like they have upgraded the the athleticism and speed on defense, but I still felt like there was definitely another level in speed that they needed to get to in the secondary. A guy here, a guy there, but mm-hmm. the speed of the defense was a lot about what they had up front and at linebacker especially. Yeah, you know, but but there was definitely a need for an increase in speed in the secondary, yeah. and this class especially in the secondary with Micah Bell, Peyton Bowen, Christian Gray, and even a Don Schuler who is now the slow guy who moves pretty well. the The speed upgrade that they're bringing in in the secondary is exceptional, exceptional, and that's something I think that is very, very important as well to discuss. So we can go, we can go on to your question next, Sean. But I just, I meant to say that earlier, but that, I mean, that, that can't be dismissed. I mean, you're talking about a kid that's over six foot tall, that's been at multiple places timed in the low four fours. Yeah. That is one of your, you know, of four guys as your third fastest guy. I mean, that's, that's a huge speed upgrade for Notre Dame. And I think we have to give, I don't know if, if you guys didn't read the story after his visit in April, you know, you have to give credit to the South Bend community mm-hmm. on this one as well, because his, his family came in purposely the night before on his visit and went out on the town to meet the residents of South Bend, because it was important to know the people in the community that he might be committing to over the next three to four years. And they did that with a purpose and went out and ate and engaged with people in the community and talked to them and find out, found out a lot within that two to two and a half hours. So Brian, with guys like Charles Jagasaw and that family, Christian Gray and his family, as you said, it's easy to see why they ended up committing to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But for us, to have these type of guys that we get a chance to follow, you know what I'm about to say. It's quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's something that, that reinvigorates us, mm-hmm. actually, to say, you know what? All right, let's get on to the next kid because sometimes right. in recruiting, everything can become redundant, you know, to a certain point, you know, whether it's what you're hearing from kids, mm-hmm. how they respond, and, you know, body language of kids. Right from a video I sent you earlier today, just to get your thoughts on the body, body language mm-hmm. isn't right. And a kid like Christian Gray, every time I spoke with him or just text with him, there was nothing but great vibes. Right. Regardless of what we were talking about, the vibes and the body language 
was always there. It, he always had good things to say about Notre Dame, Sean, but there was an interesting comment that he made to you back in April when Notre Dame started, because I'm glad you brought that April visit up because that's when Notre Dame started to take that turn mm-hmm. where they were falling behind and they started to take that turn because at that point in time, LSU and Ohio State had all the momentum. They did. And he made he said made that comment to you, and, and I, I believe I'm saying this pretty spot on to what you said, but he said Notre Dame is starting to make a move. Yeah. I believe that's what he said to you. Yeah. Because yeah. the interesting thing is, and whenever you'd talk to him, you'd, you'd, we'd, you'd, we'd talk and you'd share with me what he said. His his thoughts on Notre Dame never changed. No. Like there was no – I mean, there was no like lack of communication. There was no lack of love. There was no lack of attention. There wasn't any reason they fell behind other than those teams just had momentum because of the new hires and it was it was new. It was the shiny new toy, right? And then, of yeah. course, that relationship with Coach Steeples, which, again, I can't stress enough how big it is to get that because – you know, look, we like to take shots at Brian Kelly, right? Rightfully yeah. so. He's earned those shots. But in this instance, I don't think LSU did anything wrong. No. I mean, LSU recruited him hard. They put in all the effort. It's just that's what Notre Dame was able to do, and they were able to stay with it. And, you know, and somebody somebody asked a question, Sean, uh, and it was from Adam uh, Ziliak. He said, Brian, do you think it worked better for Notre Dame that he did wait to commit? And honestly, Sean, I, th- I think it is. And And what I mean is, I think it worked out well for them that he didn't commit back in January. Because remember, yeah. we had talked like there was a lot of rumblings that he was going to commit back then. I think there might have been some like crystal balls or whatever those things, you know, that for the other right. sites are right. about him picking Notre Dame. And, you know, I wonder if 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 Coach Steeples and some of these other, you know, Coach Walton from Ohio State, who both did a great job with Christian uh, in this recruitment, like if because when a kid decommits, it can be hard to get him back into class. Yeah, yeah. You lose, I mean, you just like who wants to decommit and go back? It worked out well with like Deion Colsey, but it just doesn't happen very often. And so you look and say, boy, it, it is good that he waited. And 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 again, I think now he's much more certain of his decision than he would have been back in July, where there would have been those what ifs. Because well, let's say he would have not decommitted or not gone somewhere else let's say the any stays in the class would he have had those doubts in the back of his mind like gee i wonder what it would have been like playing for coach steeples you know or gee i wish i would have taken this visit or that visit so i really think it worked out well for Notre Dame the way that the process went down as well because you know christian was able to really thoroughly go through this entire aspect of this recruitment and say the good of notre dame maybe some of the drawbacks of notre dame you kind of you know saw Notre Dame fall behind. You kind of saw saw the fresh shiny toy at LSU and, and Ohio State and and all the 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 glitz and the glamour that those programs are all about. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know Christian was was there was there's more important things to him, and that's ultimately what wanted at the end of the day for Notre Dame. There's no question about it. Very interesting recruitment from start to finish. And I agree, you know, when you initially said that he was probably the most impressive recruiting job done thus far by the staff, it's like, yo, I didn't really, my mind didn't even go there, Mm -hmm. you know, after spending time with him and following him. But now that you mention it, like, you're right, because it took patience. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that his thoughts about Notre Dame didn't change. And I mentioned also that it was the recommendation of his former high school coach right. to be patient, give more time, and give programs a chance to come in. Sean, was that Coach Steeples or was that Coach Reed? Oh, Coach, Coach Reed. Coach Reed, okay. It was Coach Reed. 
And it was at that time that everything had already happened. Bowl season had taken place, and all of a sudden here come all of a sudden here comes the January opens. Period. Mm-hmm. And here comes Coach Peoples. Here comes LSU. Uh, Ohio State had always been there, as I said before, the relationship that he had with that coaching staff. And that's really where his name started to hit the radar. So there was a special connection there. And then here comes Lincoln Riley and his staff coming in. And he said, (laughs) jokingly, he said, man, the most fun I had on a visit was definitely USC. (laughs) And I I said, you know what? For several reasons, I get it. Like, I get you enjoying USC. But I think he knew USC just wasn't the right fit for him. Right. You know, and like you said, he had every reason to be able to pull the hat at least of three of the four schools that he had in front of him. But ultimately, it came down to the collaborative effort, the vibe, the feeling. We haven't even talked about the relationship he has with. Peyton Bowen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk, talk about that because the interesting yeah. thing about that is, Sean, is that was that never faded. Even when Notre Dame was third, yeah. let's be honest, that was still the same. Yeah. It was very, it, it was such an interesting recruitment in that regard because it's like this kid says all the right things about Notre Dame. He's got this great relationship with Notre Dame commits, yet right now it seems like LSU and Ohio State have all the momentum. Uh, talk about that relationship between Christian and it was the Bowens, Drake and Peyton Bowen. He had yeah. a great relationship with both of them. Yeah, of course, like kids these days, they built a relationship and then that relationship extended to video games and whether it was Madden, whether it was war games. And Drake Bowen takes a beating because he says Peyton and Christian pretty much beat him at everything. But just that bond of staying connected and you see it. June visit, he comes in. The same day he comes in, Drake Bowen has a state championship game. Mm -hmm. I want to, once again, a state championship game. And as soon as he gets off the field, he hightails it to Notre Dame to have dinner with his guy, Christian Gray, before he leaves on Sunday. Like, that just speaks to the, the, the bond, the brotherhood, and how important it was for them to be able to break bread together and spend some time together before the end of Christian's visit. And like you said, you know, according to what you had been told, Christian pretty much came in. This is what I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. And Christian comes in and pretty much that Friday is like, you know what? Because as great as his LSU visit was, And I can concur or pretty much confirm how great that weekend was because that was the same weekend that Carnell Tate was at LSU. The exact same weekend. And on that exact same weekend, they had um, Jefferson, Chase, Joe Burrow, and pretty much every player from that national championship team on campus. Carnell has spoken to me about how impressive and lit the weekend was being around those guys. So for him to be there with his mentor and to have the impact of some of the greatest wide receivers and defensive backs, Tyron Matthew was there. 
He took a picture with Tyrone Matthew. To go through all of that, leave it just five days before, step on Notre Dame's campus, and that Friday say, I'm committing to Notre Dame. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. For a lot of kids, that would have made yeah. a world of difference. Yeah. Because that was the concern, right? Like that yeah. was the weekend LSU was going to be able to get back into mm-hmm. that. Because because you had said, you know, you had for people that are on the message board, Sean had kind of put this on the message board that Notre Dame was trending really hard in a back in a positive direction with Christian Gray. But the conversation was always about, but you've got that LSU visit coming up. Yeah. You know, let's see how that goes. And so Notre Dame was able to to not only weather that storm, but as you said, like less than a week later, he's already he's he's given Notre Dame a solid commitment. Yeah. And I think that was a, a big, big part of this, Sean. So let, let's let's talk next, Sean, about kind of what's next a little bit. And when, when this is one of the things that we do, Josiah Wagner visited the last recruiting weekend for Notre Dame, which is the weekend of the 17th. And Notre Dame liked him. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing, nothing happened there. Nothing bad happened there. They liked Josiah Wagner for a time. I think they really wanted to take a third corner. Uh, they have since decided to just go with two. So when it comes to what's next, I think that what that tells me is a couple things. Number one, there's a lot of confidence in the kids already on the roster. Yeah. That that we can stick it to if you're looking at we, meaning if you're looking at it from the Notre Dame coaches standpoint, you know, we can stick it to because we like the guys on the roster. I think that's what they're that's what it's telling them. And that they want to use that for other positions and also next year. And then because they it tells me they're confident in the talent that they're putting together because now we can space it out a little bit is is the way that I think they're looking at this aspect of it. And so I think when you talk about what's next, they're done. So it is July 4th and Notre Dame is done with cornerback recruiting in the 2023 class, which means Mike Mickens can now push all his attention from a recruiting standpoint. Obviously, you know, you got to work to keep these kids in the class. But he can start putting all his attention on this recruiting class on the two on 2024, and that is um, that's kind of something to get you. I think a little bit a little bit fired up at this point in time, Sean. Is that he? And look, I think the fact that he got Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison kind of early last year. I think Benjamin committed in July, right? Uh, so I think that also helped them get Christian Gray because they were able to. to you're you're muted, Sean. They were able to. Spend the next year getting him. So when LSU and Ohio State made their move, there was that relationship to to rely on and lean back on that was able to kind of win the day. But it's because it started so heavily last summer when they got Mickey and Morrison, and they were able to then shift their attention to the 2023 class. Look, we've been saying this, Brian, and I'm sorry, man. I literally CG just called me. That's why I went to mute. <laughs> and he, he uh, Christian Gray was supposed to join us immediately after his decision around 420 and he got sidetracked he called to apologize it's because that's just the type of kid he is and he asked is there another is there another time he can come on so well, Brian make sure that you guys know you'll get the notification bell mm-hmm. when we get Christian Gray on to talk about his recruitment but that's just the type of kid he is he didn't have to called back but he he remembered mm-hmm. said man my fault we're headed somewhere else can I do it at another time and of course I was like you're darn right we can you know enjoy your day it's about you like we would have loved to have you on but hey we'll get at you another time but Brian I'm ecstatic man mm-hmm. 
I'm ecstatic. This has been, once again, vindication for Mike Mickens. You talked about Josiah Wagner. You talked about the possibilities. And I'm just like you. When Josiah Wagner released his top four, was it this week? Mm -hmm. I saw that Notre Dame wasn't in it. You know, yeah, as a Notre Dame fan, you want you want to make everyone's final list. Mm -hmm. But then I thought about it. I said, you know what? And I... I don't want to sound disrespectful, and I hope that I'm not. It's almost like, oh, we don't need them. We don't, right. We don't, we don't need to be greedy because we, we don't need them. And, and for them to go after him, this goes to a coaching staff being honest. You go in or get into a situation, and we know this with certain other positions in a 23 class. You get to a situation where you can have a kid, but it will be kind of gluttonous to make that hard push for that kid when you just really don't need it. You know where I'm going with this. It's like, I do. I do. It's like because you, you take the chance of putting that kid in a bad situation right. or a less than situation that's probably out there for him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's another reason why I love this coaching staff, the honesty, uh, being transparent, being patient right. and at the same time knowing and having the vision and going after it. And like you said, now Emilio Agar, Jalen Mbakwe, Caleb Beasy. Like those are just three of right. the top 100 defensive Eli backs. Bowen. Right. Eli, yes, Eli right. Bowen. That's another one. Um, Sean, you, you missed the memo. I have stated a new rule that when you start talking about 2024 recruits, you have to, uh, you're contractually obligated to mention Caleb Beasley first. <laughs> okay. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. <laughs> so, um, you know, but but that's the thing. It's a loaded 2024 class. And I think really that's is. where the staff is coming from, Sean, is yeah. – like, look, do we take a two this year or three this year, right? And so then you land eight in a three-year period? Or do you say, okay, let's maybe look at taking two to maybe three next year when you look at how impressive that board is? And and also then you can use that 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 scholarship for maybe a a, a fifth defensive lineman or a, a yeah. third safety or, a, yeah. you know, where you can kind of – or maybe a kicker, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other things that you can use it for. And I think that was something that they had made the decision to do that. And it, like I said, it now allows them to focus their attention on the 2024 class. Yeah. And really, because to me, I've said this before, my dream class is, is Caleb Beasley, mm. one of the other group that we've talked about, Jalen Mbakwe. I mean, there's a long list of guys. It's Mbakwe. It's Miller Agard, all those kind of kids. Give me one of those kids. And then my number three is Eli Bowen. Yeah. Give me those three guys in next year's class, and I'm—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm just saying this is absurd. This is absurd what they'd be doing at that point in time. Because I'll say this: I think the—I think that I have two strong feelings about cornerback play at Notre Dame. Number one, I think it's been—I think it's been given a bad rap at times, and it shouldn't. It hasn't been as bad as some be, people make it out to be, but no. it has definitely not been to the level it needs to be yeah. to be a group that you're relying on to win a championship. But yeah. so those things can both be true. Like, wow, you're being a little too hard on it. It hasn't been bad. I mean, Nick McLeod was an all conference cornerback. Cam Hart was very good last year. Clarence Lewis has had some tough spots and some big games, but he's also had some quality games. Yeah. 
you know, Tariq Bracey had a pretty good year last year. In 2018, Notre Dame had, you know, one of the best three or four corner tandems in the country. Troy Pride was very good in 2019. And Tariq yeah. Bracey was pretty good at times in 2019. Yeah. So cornerback play hasn't been bad at all. It just hasn't been to the level it needs to be. Right. And and so we we know that Mike Mickens can coach it up, right? He's shown that throughout his – he did it at Bowling Green, did it at Cincinnati. He's done it at Notre Dame so far. This is a position that did need to have its talent taken to another level, even though I do think people have been overly harsh on it in regards to making it bad. Yeah. It can be good, but not good enough. And good, but not good enough doesn't equal bad. So it's a semantic argument. What we can all come down to, however, Sean, is that the talent level needed to upgrade. And you have to do it consistently because I would argue from a consistency standpoint, cornerback has been consistently underwhelming and safety as well from a top to bottom depth. They've had a guy here, Julian Love and Troy Pride was a great tandem, but like, you know, Cam Hart, but then there's a drop off after Cam Hart, you know, Nick right. McLeod 2020, but there was a drop off after Nick McLeod. Right. And, and now you're looking at it where you, you now have this third really strong class in a row. And I think they've gotten better each year. Arguably, as, as as you know, as classes, I think last year's class I would still have ahead of this year's class. If you look at what they were as seniors compared to what these group guys are as juniors, but I think the ceilings are just as high, if not higher, with this group because of that speed that Micah Bell brings at the table. But the fact that we're even having that conversation is is just an example of the fact that they are restocking the depth chart, and that's the biggest thing. Is Notre Dame has to get in a position where this becomes the norm. I don't really care so much about landing five stars. It's nice. Yeah. But you just just give me guys who can play at a high level. And and I think that's what we're seeing now is we're starting to see kids come to Notre Dame that can play this game at a high level. And and we're doing it consistently because look, some of these kids are not going to pan out. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's yeah. not going to be as good as we we expect. What has happened in the past is when that it, it sucks, but that's part of football. What's happened in the past is the margin for error was so thin that if a kid, like if Julian Love gets knocked out of the Cotton Bowl, there's you know, and then you've got an injured Dante Vaughn and nothing else. Yeah, right. And and that's what you got to turn to. The margin for error was always so thin that when there when a guy didn't pan out or a guy got hurt or something else happened, there was a big drop off. And I think that's what I love about this consistency of this recruiting is because you're 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 widening the margin for error. And that is incredibly important in the game of football. Look at Bama this year. Bama this year in, in yeah. the postseason, mm -hmm. you, you, you lost your corner. You lost two receivers. They didn't have, because, because they went from juniors and seniors to freshmen and there wasn't that strength in the middle, yeah. they weren't able to just kind of plug them in maybe the way they have in the past because they've had some misses on the recruiting trail. And that's where Notre Dame has got to, is getting is getting to, in my opinion, is the talent level because you know you got a guy that can coach them up. Uh, yeah. You and I are staunchly believers, staunch believers believe in that. that yeah. But now Mike Mickens has shown that hey, I can go beat Clemson for Ryan Barnes. I can flip <laughs> Philip Riley from USC. I can beat Washington for Chance Tucker. I can then yeah. beat Washington and Bama for Benjamin Morrison. I can beat West Coast schools for Jaden Mickey. I can beat Texas and Tennessee and schools like that for Micah Bell. And I can beat. The two schools, who are the two schools everybody argues about DBU? Who's the who's the conversation between? LSU, LSU or Ohio State. State. You just wouldn't beat both of them. And, and he was a take for both of them. Don't kid yes. yourself. Yes. Right? There will be Ohio State trolls that will go, oh, Ohio State. Yeah, he visited Ohio State the weekend of the 24th. They wanted him. There's no question. And when 
they came out of that visit. It's not a surprise that the week after that visit is over and they know he's going to Notre Dame, that all of a sudden Ohio State takes th- three commitments from cornerbacks in that next week. Yeah. It's not a surprise. Because, because those guys that's are pretty the, much waiting on him. That's right. Well, they were waiting on him because they that's thought right. they had a chance. That's right. So you're now going against – you're now not getting sleepers. You're going toe-to-toe with mm-hmm. the best of the best. You've now beaten Bama, Clemson. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, LSU and Ohio State and Texas for corners in the last three classes. Yeah. That's where you need to be. That That's where you need to be. And that's what Mike Mick is showing – and this is sort of that icing on the cake of that really th- strong three-year run that Notre Dame needed to go on. And now it's about continuing it, and that's going to be the key. Brian, you make a great point because that same Alabama program goes from – and it only really takes maybe like one or two misses and a few injuries to go from supreme depth that they experienced when they had two freshmen come in and connect in overtime to beat Georgia in the national championship game like Devontae Smith caught a winning touchdown as a freshman. And the next thing you know, he ends up a couple of years later as the Heisman Award winner. But that was the depth they had in that national championship game that they could go to that, go that deep. Unfortunately, they get Jamison Williams and Mechie injured, and the young guys behind them could get the job done. So you're muted, bro. They didn't have sophomores and juniors that they could turn to. Yes. To, that were part of that rotation because yeah. they had had some misses and they had some guys leave and all that. Yeah. And that's why retention is such an important thing, too. But mm-hmm. when you have those guys leave, that's why you need to have back to back to back strong classes because that's how you're able to kind of keep this thing rolling, Sean. And that's um, that's what Notre Dame is able to do. I, I do want to, we're going to go to some questions here in a minute, but I do want to wrap sure. this up with uh, I always like kind of doing this. So I'm going through the uh, the rankings here now, and Notre Dame obviously is back on top as the number one ranked recruiting class in the nation. And it's not just um, it's not just one or two. They're now number one on the on three consensus. They're now number one on the two four seven and two four seven consensus. They're now number one on rivals, and uh, they're kind of pulling away on rivals now because of this. They actually pulled ahead yesterday with uh, Rico Flores, and now they're pulled up even ahead. So it's it's really been fascinating to see this. Notre Dame is now more points ahead of Ohio State, who's number two, than Ohio State is ahead of Texas, who's number three. So the gap between one and two is deeper than the gap between two and three. So Notre Dame is clearly, clearly rolling. Here's another fascinating point, Sean, and I wanted to pull this up just to, to make sure I, I was correct on this. So Notre Dame now has 19 players committed in this class. And last year, Notre Dame had the number seven class in the country on the 247 sports composite rankings. They were seven. That's a very good class. Yeah. Notre Dame right now has more points in the 247 sports list than they did last year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. A very good class, a class yeah. that finished seventh nationally. A, a, a class, I mean, they finished, they have more points Latin right now than Penn State had last year, who finished with the number six class yeah. in the country. Yeah. And Penn State signed 25 guys. It, I just wanted to kind of, oh, ESPN, they're also number one on ESPN. We're joking, but yes, they're number one on ESPN. That, and that was before they got Rico Flores and 
ESPN updated their rankings uh, yesterday morning before Rico committed. And Christian and Rico are both top 250 guys or ESPN 300 guys. So Notre Dame yeah. was number one on ESPN before they landed two ESPN 300 guys. guys. So it just kind of puts into perspective just how good this class is right now. That this class right now, if it doesn't sign another dude, would finish sixth last year in the rankings. Just mm. for the people to think, well, they're going to fall behind because – and they're not done. That's a thing. They're not done. So my prediction, Sean, before we dive into the questions, I predict that Notre Dame will sign at least – will land at least two more guys mm. in the month of July. Yep. That's my prediction. They, they Publicly. Publicly. Yeah. I think they'll publicly get at least two more in the month of July. So that is that is my uh, that's big, my bold big, prediction, Sean. We talked about this a month ago. We predicted twenty one or twenty two commits at the end of yeah going into and, the season and going and into fall camp. 19, 19 right now. So Notre right. Dame now has the number one ranked class across the board in twenty three and two thousand twenty four. 